I'm gonna take off my sweater. I had to uh, turn off the air conditioner so it wouldn't make noise. And now I'm. Now I'm Where did she go? That is a big sweater. Did she get lost in the sweater? Is that a is that a thing that sweaters do? The sweater has eaten her. I mean, they have so many openings that. Finally, I star scream. Will <laughs> be leader of the Decepticons. And welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a Revolutionary Girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? Doing pretty good, actually. Today is a very special day on Imagine Me and Utena because we have two guests to talk about this episode of Revolutionary Girl Utena, episode 36, and thus opens the doorway of night. Our two guests are Jeff and Jenner. Hi guys, how you doing? Hey, it's great to be here. Hey, it's Jeff's birthday. It is Jeff's birthday. Woohoo! And my cat is here as well. Yes. My cat Prel also has commentary. I'm my aware cat of my birthday. Here. Jenner has told literally everybody that I know, <laughs> that we know. Hi, I'm, hi, I'm Jenner. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. We're kind of a match set sometimes, so you gotta deal with both of us at the same time. You're two halves of a whole idiot. Wow. Oh, that's giving us too much credit. <laughs> how dare you insult how dare, how dare that she insult idiots? Yes. Okay, so this episode of Revolutionary Girl Utena is interesting. Alice, did you end up watching this before we started recording? Yes. Okay, and how what did you think about it? Everything is terrible. I, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good episode up until like the very end, at which case I want to die and remove myself from this very existence. <laughs> what did you guys think, Jeff and Jenner? I like this episode a lot because he's a bunch of cars in half with a sword. You're not. And that's wrong. really all I need in life. I'm here for card sma car smashing. I liked this episode because it really finally has Seonji and, to a lesser extent, Toga basically straight up explain what their issues are, like what's really going on with them. Yeah, uh, Jeff, you picked this episode. You specifically requested this episode. Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to talk about that once we're done? Uh, it's it's mostly because I didn't think it'd be it'd be too presumptuous of me to pick like the last episode, and there were like seven left. So I'm just like, <laughs> ah, I like this one. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, I like this episode a lot too. I've spent most of the podcast talking about how terrible Toga and Seonji are, but I've actually changed my mind. I love them now, and this episode is kind of why. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to acknowledge that someone's extremely bad and also enjoy them. That's fine. That's a thing you can do. It's like a it's kind of a continuation of what we were talking about last time. Last time uh, we last episode, me and Peter were recording. We were talking about how Toga and Se Toga and Seonji kind of like have this moment towards the end, which is this really absurd thing, like everything else in Uta, surreal and all that. But like the actual conversation happening is surprisingly genuine and authentic, and very not what you expect from these two characters. And mm -hmm. if anyone forgot what that conversation was, have no fear, they do recount that conversation at the beginning of this episode. You know, these, these two episodes pretty much a mat set. You need them both together. It's basically what would happen in one whole episode, just stressed out longer. That's how I feel about Toga and Seonji. They go together. 
And it's good that we have both of you on this podcast for this episode because you also go together. (laughs) All right, you guys ready to start? Yep. Like I said, we start off mostly with flashbacks to last episode, you know, just in case you forgot. Toga and Seonji are in the student council area. I still don't really know what to call this place. It's the student council dimension, duh. Right, of course. They have their own little pocket dimension. Yeah. Don't you? Everybody has a pocket dimension. Yeah, this is the like I don't know why they're they're shirtless. I assume a thing that happens. Um But then they have clothes again. No, no, they're just they just happen to be like carrying them like to the side. I don't really know how this works. Oh, it's such a nice day out. You want to soak that sun in. <laughs> Get that vitamin D. Sometimes you just want to like take your shirt off and JoJo pose in the sunlight. You know. I mean, it's yeah, doesn't everybody? This scene here, Utana and Akio are on the horse because this is a flashback to the a part of episode last episode that we didn't see, which was while Utana and Akio were on their horse ride. And they're by a lake, and I hate this. I was yelling at my computer while I watched this earlier. Yes, this this is pretty terrible. It's Akio and Utena together alone, and Utena's like talking about how much fucking fun she's having, and Akio's being creepy, and I hate it. And he says that she looks like a princess you'd find in the woods, which no, she doesn't. She does not look like a princess. You piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, if you had to call Utna a princess, she'd be like an urban princess. I mean, look at that outfit. She's got shorts. Yeah. You know what? Wear shorts in the woods. Uh, and then the kissing. Is and bad. then they kiss each yeah, other. Yeah. Uck, 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 uck. Uh, it's really. Because Akio's doing these mind games on her to put her in the, the princess mindset so that he can do his thing later, which is what Toga's worried about. So yeah. Toga has finally yeah. found someone who is exactly like him, only worse. And I feel like it is the only thing that possibly could have made him a human being. Oh, we get to see Mickey and Jury for like a split second. We don't really get to oh, see yeah. much of them in these they last episodes. About that. They're talking about how Utena looks more like a girl now than she used to. I don't really know what that means. Well, apparently, okay, I was about to say Mickey doesn't know either, but then he agrees. He's like, she was always a girl, but I guess I get what you mean. Ugh. They it's, seem um, really troubled. Yeah, it's more like she's carrying herself more womanly, like like a woman, than normally. Uh, she's more effeminate, suddenly. It was a revolution! The day of revolution is approaching. I wanted to talk about this revolution thing, but you give me some time. <laughs> It's interesting to see how, like, this thing that they've been talking about all along as what they want is foreboding and awful feeling to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they are they are incredibly n- displeased. And this is different. I this really is my this favorite scene. part. This is my absolute favorite part. It's Oh, my God. It's good because the music is not the standard driving down the road music. It's like the whimsical, like, nonsense going on music. I can't believe Seonji is in a sidecar. I still yeah, can't. It's he's still just so funny. not into it. It's wonderful. Toga and Seonji are driving down the road that Akio usually drives on, and Toga is driving a bike, and Akio or Seonji is in a sidecar. It, it's a motorcycle. Well, Don't I mean, miss you know. it. 
Oh, look, yeah. they're, they're doing weird, lewd JoJo posing again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Toga is having a memory of Akio talking about Utena being a princess, and we're sh- we are shown the cactus from the previous episode that had bloomed, signifying that this took place pretty recently. And now Toga and Seonji are kind of being dramatic on well I mean mostly just Seonji he just stood up in the sidecar and then Toga's like standing up like that is dangerous and then God. and then Seonji's like yeah you're right and sits down he had to like process that one for a moment it's very I good I talk about this scene so over here uh, we got Utna in bed and uh, Choo Choo's kind of sleeping next to her but she wakes up when he like pops his weird giant sleep bubble and as she's sitting on this bed, once she finishes, like, wiping him off, she's got, like, her jacket, like, half open, and she's got, like, a tank top on underneath it, and we've, like, never seen this before, and I'm extremely into it. I love <laughs> like, it. Look. That is weird. What I don't love is that she wipes Choo Choo off with a handkerchief, and then proceeds to put that handkerchief down on top of him. That presumably like snot-covered handkerchief. It is his, it is his penance. Toga shows up and says he has to go talk with Utena and he needs to come, and she needs to come with him. And he says it's about end of the world. So they go to the dueling arena. And, and notably, as she opens the door, her shirt is buttoned once more. Well, yeah, she's <laughs> Wait, answering casual. She just said she's never come at night, but doesn't she usually come at night? I don't it's think like it's at night. Dusk? I think it's at, yeah, at dusk. Time is weird in Atori Academy. Yeah, time doesn't really exist at Atori. You mean purgatory? Yes. Man, Toga, knock it off. <laughs> Toga's being so creepy in the elevator, trying to like feel Utena up, and she's like not into it because, of course, she's not into it. No, only Anthe can feel Utena up in that elevator. Yes. <laughs> Correct. I like what they're going to talk about during the fight, so when we get there, I want to talk about that, so remind me, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that the, the castle isn't there, but then it appears. If it, it's the first, Uta, like, do you know something different about like, Uta's reactions and... in this episode, generally? Yeah. Just something just... about her seems off. Yeah, it seems like her personality has subtly changed. She really is being a lot more permissive than she usually is. And it, it's a, a very subtle way of showing that uh, Akio's mind games are getting to her. It's unsettling. Like, just mm-hmm. the like the just the way she, that she like draw her face as she looks up is sort of that little hat, little small open mouth. Mm-hmm. It's just not usually the kind of expression you expect from her. Toga's is different too. Like he he's very much like not nearly as chill and suave as he usually he's is. He's a lot less hard. He's always like, trying to be manipulative for the most part, except now he's not. And that's just like, you know, once you take that away from him, like, what even is Toga, like, personality-wise? His entire personality has been, like, a front. Everything about Toga is fake. Like, he can't have real relationships with people because he's too busy trying to play them. And I had talked to Jeff about this earlier today, about how Toga is really trying to discourage Utna, and I think it's because he thinks Akio has his hooks in her like Akio has his hooks in Toga. And Jeff said that he had a really good thing to say here, where he was yeah, like... Yeah, they said that yeah. last week. Yeah, and <laughs> so he basically just quoted you guys saying that Toga can really only think about himself and can only really do things in a really shitty, selfish way. 
So the only way that he knows of to save Utna is to take possession of her, which I thought was a really, really good observation. Yeah, like right now he's like asking Utna about like how she feels about Akio and is telling her that he that she is everything to him. And I don't know, like it's so strange like to see him like this because it feels so like it feels like the least fake thing he's ever done even if it's sort of terrible yeah and i'm so used to him being fake that it's it's almost weird to see him being sincere and yet he's still doing it in such a manipulative way but i believe it was uh you folks who acknowledged that utna kind of like is really is like the prince that he wanted to be and I think that's what he admires about her yeah yeah that's what he was talking about when he said that she was everything to him is because like Mm -hmm. or at least that's how I interpret it is because like she's basically everything that he really wants to be but can't Mm -hmm. yeah it's I don't know just we're back and in the room yet again we have not seen them both in the the bed at the same time in several episodes have you noticed that I'm sure that's Mm -hmm. not symbolic at all Oh dear. <laughs> Ushina's wondering, or talking about how she wonders if uh, Akio is her prince and the sun rises. Because suns rise that fast. Yeah, you know. Seonji and Toga are back at the student council pocket dimension. By the way, when the sun comes up, the, the town around Otori reminds me a lot of Greece, actually. Hmm. It's still incredibly foul. The thing that interests me about this scene is how the flowers keep exploding as they talk, and I'm wondering what that symbolizes. The <laughs> flowers also changed color. Mm-hmm. But they're changing color to each of the duelists' um, flowers. Yeah. Last, Until it's just the white rose. With, with Utna's flower, yeah. So I think it's symbolic of like each of them being taken down. Utna and Anthe are sitting under the tree, and Anthe asks her where she was last night, and Utna's like, oh, nowhere special. Like, that's a valid answer to that question. Well, look at Anthe's face here. Choo Choo is playing with a worm, and Anthe's just sort of displeased. I Uh, hate the way that- what a jerk, right? I hate it. <laughs> I hate the way Seonji just puts his head in Anthe's fucking lap like he has yeah. any right to. Like, if he hadn't done this in this episode, it he would have been a perfectly fine character to... the entire time. We're back to the normal Toga. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's being, he has her, he has Utana pushed up against a tree and is, like, threatening her and saying, like, if you don't duel me, you will lose the rose bride and if i win you will become my woman and y'all says if does you this, win does we'll this stop all this you. feel incredibly calculated like they are intending to like basically be as awful as possible in one moment in order to get her to say yes actually yeah i i actually that was my interpretation of the way that say or that uh well both of them were acting is that they were kind of playing up being awful to like, act like nothing yeah, can like, change. He like, lays on her lap, but he doesn't really seem to be into it. It's just like he's playing a part. He's just sort of there. Well, yeah. that's kind of his issue. That's the thing that he was talking about on the bike. It's the thing that I've, I've noticed about him. is Sayonji's real problem is that he utterly lacks control in his life. Everything, yeah. is, he's always in Toga's shadow, and he really has no control whatsoever over, over 
over anything that happens to him. So it's all about how much he hates his lack of control and how the ways he goes through trying to claim control over his life. Which I guess explains why he was so attached to the idea of being in love with Anthe is because Anthe was finally something that he had control over in his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, to what degree is the way Seonji is now like basically just what Toga groomed him to be? And Akio groomed Toga, so it's this weird cyclical thing going on. Yeah, that is exactly it. Here at the very end, they're working together. They're not like he's not like manipulating her into this I mean him into this like they're working together like this is a they're they're weird they're like not entirely equals but this is as equal as they've been the entire time which I guess leads me to question like why is Seonji doing this well it's one of those those ride or die friends yeah when you have a friend for that long even when they're terrible you still stick around them I mean he does value see Jeff and me no joking (laughs) he does value Toga like, he would not have been able to be manipulated like he was if he didn't value him, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, yeah, well, our, our, our relationship is really fucked up, but, like, I, I, like you're going to do this, and I, I can't just, like, leave you alone. You need me. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of touching, even if they're terrible. Yeah, I really like So we, like, we totally again. skipped over the Aiko Biko segment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll <laughs> drop it in at least. Clop, hear ye, hear ye. Those far off, lend me your ears. Look upon me. I am the Prince of the White Horse. Oh my, the Prince of the White Horse. Such a long mane, such slender legs. How wonderful. Um, no, that's the White Horse of the Prince, not the Prince of the White Horse. I'm the Prince of the White Horse. But you look like a human prince to me. Huh? Yes, I'm human, but they call me the Prince of the White Horse. So you're a prince too. That's so wonderful, really. You really want your prince to be a horse? Of course, of course. It's, it I wanted really to good. talk a bit about the Japanese and that and what's going on because it's a bit of a pun, but we're getting to the interesting part, so fudge. We can talk about it at the end because right now okay, we're excellent. at our duel where they are posing dramatically in front of the car and it's Oh, glorious. I love that. Where she, he says, now it's time to get the power. And she's like, I don't care about the power. Like, Utna is so sincere that she doesn't really give a shit about the power to revolutionize the world. She only cares about Anthe, which yeah. is so pure and good. I just want to say that nothing Toga has said in this episode so far, or will say, has been a lie. He's been completely truthful this entire time, which is also unusual. I really love seeing Seonji and Toga do the Rose Bride pulling the sword out of the chest thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's just just delightful. And he's got, like, a kind of like an Arthurian broadsword, like the classic, like, knight broadsword looking Mm -hmm. weapon. It's appropriate for him because he always puts on this persona of being a prince. So it makes sense. And he's like the Western kind of prince. It's interesting to me that um, the black-white duality of their little screenshots. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that. They were briefly uh, each Utena and Toka surrounded by sort of a frame with like rose petals. And also interesting that like when they, remember when they dueled and during the little blue screen of death that she had like he played on her feelings and then he has the audacity to say that personal feelings are not allowed in combat and, and then they, he's doing this again and he does this right now in this fight 
But this It's kind of the same ploy as last time, but this time he means it. Everything past all, here is extremely good though. You know, like, like starting with the... these the ring of cars. Oh look at that, the shadows. Him. It's so good. And then Utna like dodging cars in the middle of the arena. Toby just standing there and disappears behind one. This is probably the coolest of the duels, I think, oh, in this art. Yeah, this is probably one of the most, be the, the best duels we see here. This is easily the duel with the most original footage we've had in a long time. Yeah, well, it's the last one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sad now. And we got a flashback to uh, Uten and Anthe talking as they come up the uh, the elevator about how Uten will protect Anthe. I swear I'll always it's protect really you. Yeah, this really, that, that question right there, don't you believe me, is so crucial because it's very important that Anthe believe in Utna and I don't want to spoil it, but you, you will see whether or not she's capable of doing that. Utna oh, oh, yes, cleaves a car in half and then cleaves a line of cars in half. <laughs> it's very good. I love that they're just like reusing the same four frames and getting you away see all these it. cars like just water falling off the edge of the arena in like pieces like smoke it's it's so good i like it. allegory allegory allegoryist. oh my okay, god that is probably the oh my <laughs> god i love this they're coming on their on their on their motorped but uh, motorcycle thing yeah seonji's in the sidecar holding onto the the uh the handlebars we finally got a joust <laughs> and the motorcycle um, rode off of the dueling arena in, in pieces. like pieces it's so good. And right here, this is important. Oh, yes. Ak er, Toga tells her that she's the one that's going to bring revolution, but don't let your guard down around the end of the world and don't trust the Rose Bride. That's the last advice I can give you. And Utena is just, just like, you just can't, don't give up, do you? And then walks off. Yeah, the, the problem is, is he's completely telling the truth here. Oh, but yeah. Why would you believe him? Because he's garbage. Yeah, basically. Seonji asks if this is the end for them. And Toga says, no, it won't be the end yet. And now Utena's oh, no. in bed alone again. Uh, the worst part of the episode is about to happen. And I'm preemptively upset. <laughs> I mean, it's not anything we haven't seen before. It's still. It's, still, it's really bad. It's not anything we didn't know was already happening. Yeah, I guess it's more. Well, well, I'll I'll say what I was gonna say when we actually get. God, to the this scene. long pause is like something out of Eva. Yeah, this this the long pause is really good. Yeah, Utena was laying in the bed and she had fallen asleep, and she kind of turns over and she says Akio's name in her sleep, and then Anthe kind of looks at her. And then it's later, and Anthe's not in the bed anymore, and Utena wakes up, and she's getting up to walk outside the room. So phallic. This damn spire is so effing phallic. You know everything. that was intentional. Literally it has to counterpoint the uh, forest, which is the opposite. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, and now... Utena has just walked in on Anthe naked with Akio, who is not naked, and then the episode ends. Well, she meets eyes with Utna, like, very intentionally yeah. meets eyes with her. Like, I, I see you. The, the avatar, I see you. God. God, this is like, ah, oh, this is worse than the elevator scene. I hate this so much. Ah, that's the worst. Okay, so the reason it's, the reason I hate it so much is not even that it's something that we hadn't seen before but it's something that Utsuna hadn't seen before and now yeah. uh, 
But ah. it's a really good way of showing Utna that side of Akio because he's been hiding that that the, his true self, the, the 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 you know the abuser from Utna, and playing like he's this nice guy as abusers do. Yeah. So this is Anthe showing Utna a bit of the true Akio. Uh, okay. So... For better or for worse. <laughs> We have a we have some stuff to talk about here. Where do we want to start? I want to talk about Toga first. Okay, cool. Okay, go ahead. So, um, uh, Toga in this episode, like, I think I don't know if he actually like is in love with Utna as much as he's in love with like the idea of Utna. Mm-hmm. But I feel like all the feeling, everything he does in this episode is actually genuine. Like, he doesn't lie. He doesn't manipulate her. Uh, much at all. He just he's <laughs> acting so like nice. a a, ra- a real no. person. But the the problem is, and, and and let me let me use uh um, so Jared and I are playing a game called Monster Hearts. Have you heard of this? this I have uh, not. Tabletop game. So Monster Hearts is a um a tabletop game based off Apocalypse World, where you play. It's basically like Buffy and the OC mashed together, where you play like monsters, like vampires and werewolves and shit. Okay. But the core mechanics of the game is all of the like um shared player character can do are stuff like you can like turn someone out you can shut someone down stuff like that uh a main character in this game does not have the the tool set to approach any situation like an adult you can't like rashly talk to them about your feelings you have to like just tell them off or like manipulate them in doing what you want that's like toga he he doesn't have any way of interacting with utna except in the way he knows how to do which is to uh manipulate her or to take ownership of her like he can't he cannot um fathom a uh result like he could have at any point in this episode when they're hanging out alone when when they were by that tree he could have actually said akio is in the world akio is doing this akio has been manipulating me this whole time but he doesn't it doesn't occur to him to do that in fact one part he says he can't tell her instead he says to save you i have to control you because that's the only way he understands that he can get Utna away from Akio and not just give her... He he can't envision a word where he can actually empower her to save herself. Right, he can't believe in her and he doesn't have any reliance in her agency because he's a shitty boy. Yeah. And as well as, like, there's a sense in which Akio's... No, I'm sorry, Akio. Um, Togo's entire, like, M.O. has corrupted him, if that makes sense. Like... The he has built this skill set like his his uh, patterns of abusive behavior. What's interesting to me about like the shitty things that we do is that they don't just hurt us. They all I mean each other. They often hurt us. We the coping mechanisms we build are good for one situation, but screw us over later. Mm-hmm. The patterns of behavior that we that we sort of like build up into these personality traits can really really mess us over and this one time when toga is trying to do something that is at least vaguely the right thing yeah he literally can't and and from his perspective it it makes a little more sense if you think about the world and sort of like everyone is trying to to dominate everyone else which is kind of toga's whole thing then of course he can't tell her because it, it would she would just call him it would be as his bluff it would be a, taken as this is another play. From his perspective, there's no way to have just a normal conversation. Every conversation is a power play. Yeah, and he was so yeah. close because like Utna was ready to believe him on this stuff until he went and fucked it up by asking to duel him again afterwards. Because she actually get, she actually um 
gave him what he wanted when they were up in the dueling arena that he want he was saying let me just spend this time with you now and she let him she actually like leaned on him and like and like up against him as they were sitting there over the night so like she she's the only, uh, only character really has any sort of like empathy for anyone else's stuff even if she doesn't necessarily agree with them when for people like toga there's just it's either their way or there it's no way one of the things that i really like about utna is how one of her most enduring traits is her ability to just call people out on their bullshit um, and unfortunately, it plays against Toga in this, as you, everybody here has already observed, because every now she's so used to his bullshit that she can't even believe him anymore. And he's kind of put himself in that trap. And it's a good segue into what I was going to talk about, which is Anthe, and how well this this show really portrays the 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 nature of abuse and the cycles of abuse and how one perpetuates abuse on themselves and on others. How when one is a victim of abuse. They become their own, they often become their own abuser, hurting themselves because they don't know how to do anything else. And Toga has isolated himself in in the cycle of abuse and using people. And like he ha- doesn't have any relationship where um, it, he's on equal footing with anybody or has anything of, of substance except with the relationship that he has with Seonji, which is also very toxic. And I think oh, yes. that's what he, like, it's what he realizes here. And and that, that Utna is actually sincere and genuine with her feelings. And that's the thing that he really um, is jealous of and really desires, is to get away from that fakeness and get out of that abusive cycle. And uh, Anthe is, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question. There's that, that moment when he just like, kind of like seems to bail on telling her the truth. And it's just like, can we just stay here like this? Do you think that he ever intended to, or do you think the, the realization that she was just took him at his word, like changed his mind? Do you think he like chose to be in that moment? Or do you think that he always intended to sort of do that? I it's it's interesting because in this situation he's having to choose between his abuser Akio being loyal to Akio and mm. his affection for Utna and I think ultimately he chooses which is a constant theme in this as you'll see in later episodes to side with his abuser over his own interests. Yeah, because like Akio did part of Akio's plan was to have Utna duel him again because all the duels are his machinations. He could at any he, he could have at any point said no I'm not gonna do her I'm gonna tell her the truth and he doesn't and I also think that like he doesn't another reason he might not tell her the truth in this one is because he also even though he's lost to her twice already I don't think he personally would envision a world where he lost to her in the duel even though it's happened even though it's precedent well he is like the only one who's ever actually beat her yeah. so far. Yeah, in Akio's mind, he was going to win this duel. There was no question in mind about it, but then he lost anyway because he's he's not Utna. His motivations are not uh, as pure as Utna. Oh, didn't you, didn't you mention something about the Eiko Biko skit? Oh, yeah. So in Japanese, there isn't a, a really good way to explain this in English, so I'm going to do my best. But basically, it was a joke in how uh, Biko was speaking to Eiko about being the prince of the white horse and. Uh, the of the is like I am a white horse is basically what she was saying and so Biko was joking like oh you're a horse that is a prince and it doesn't really translate well into English but I thought they did the translation very well by mistaking it but basically Biko was saying I am a prince and I am a white horse 
And Aiko was like, oh, you are a prince and you are a white horse. She's like, no, I am a prince and I am on a white horse, but Japanese is hard. And, and then Aiko's like, ah, you are a horse and you are a prince. And it's, it's really good. <laughs> I am of the white horse, not a white horse, is basically what she's trying to say. Oh, okay. I, I get it. Actually, yeah, like um, I, I've I've seen something similar to that in, in old Latin texts. And the 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 shadow girls are very interesting because they often reference kind of the theme of the story. And what they're really saying is somebody is pretending to be something that they're not. Somebody is something that they're not. Somebody is something more than what they are saying they are. And it's all a warning about Akio being the end of the world. It's also Literally funny that the the girl is like. I, I love this prince horse. Oh, you're also a prince? That's cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, need, we need a I love that you are a horse. Oh, oh you're a prince? Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting about the Aiko and Biko sketch because I did not get that when I first watched it, obviously, because I don't know anything about Japanese. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to convey in English, but I hope I did a good job. Somebody who's better at Japanese is going to comment on your thing and be like, she's doing such a terrible job of explaining it. And I'm just, just be like, look, it's Jenna's fault. Go to her. Jenna, Drag that her. never happens. <laughs> well, it, you did a better job than we would have because we wouldn't have explained it at all. Wait, hold on. Do you know Japanese? A little. However, my spouse is completely fluent in it. And he basically watched this with me. And yeah, that was actually his... His revelation is the pun on, I am, I am, I am of the horse, not a horse. Can you please ask him what Utena means? If it is a word. The characters oh, wait. in her name? Uh, hold on, hold Ooh. on, hold on. Actually, this is a great time to bring this in. I got another Twitter DM from former guest of the show, Abby, who had a cool thing to say about Utena's name. And Proceed. this is what Abby said. I had to find the message. I was stalling. Uh, this is what Abby said. According to the DVD box sets, uh, Utena's name also means tower. Uh, and Interesting. At the end of the show, uh, Chiho Saito uh, had something about uh, Utena and Tower and how that is an interesting connection. But we don't get to talk about that yet because spoilers. That's very interesting. I don't know how much the creator of this game is into tarot, but the Tower is a very interesting card in, in tarot deck. Oh, I'm it's, familiar um, with the tower. It's all about tearing down structures of ignorance. And um, yeah. <laughs> that is a very good connection. I did not make that. Yeah, Gee, Alice hasn't seen the end of this yet, so don't. Oh, whoops. Yeah, that, but <laughs> That's okay. I, the only thing I thought of, actually, immediately thought of was um, there is a there's an essay that Tolkien wrote called On Fairy Stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. This is also another one, which um, in a collection called um, "The Monster and the Critics," about Beowulf, and he has this image in there about a the the poem Beowulf being a tower from which the man could see the sea, um, and how careless dissect we di- we we destroy we destroy to dissect, and about how like taking things sort of like picking things apart in in a way that is not. Re- like and it's sort of like looking over the poem and for just like historical stuff kind of destroyed the ability to understand it as a poem and in in a more broader sense kind of how like sometimes things work because they are they're that they're more than the sum of their parts that the important thing was not that each of the bricks was one thing or another or 
had been used for one thing or another. The, the important thing was that they were in a tower. Um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a thing with Utena to me is that like, actually what we were talking about before we actually got into voice chat with the idea that Utena is not like we, when I would expect an anime to have a character do a lot of things Utena does, I would expect it to be sort of this thing where like, there's this constant idea of this, this is a, this is an act, but Utena isn't acting. She just is this way. It is, her presentation is not a presentation it's a an act of being like the bits if you the more that you try to pull it apart and figure each bit out the less you get of utana and the more you really get of kind of nothing like you can't really separate utana from the prince you can't really separate utana from what she does she's just kind of like she you can only kind of just accept her as who she is right still now yeah this show is very good about uh, addressing roles and the roles that one is supposed to play, you know, and the roles that one is supposed to fit into and challenging those roles. And I think that is very important in how all these all these teens and adults are trapped in this role that they've built up for themselves because they can't be that person anymore. They're all hung up on something. And but Utna is the one person who who wholly is that person. It's a, a good observation that some a, a friend of mine observed, which is that when they talk about the world, what they're really talking about is the self, and it is it is the self that needs to change. It is the self that needs to be revolutionized. It, it is the, that shell that needs to be cracked. The self that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've talked about that a little bit with regard to the cracking the world shell, and how it's completely a reference to Damien. Not Damien. Uh, crap, what's the name of it? I'm going to have to go look. It's Herman Hess. I don't remember, but we did talk about that in our very first episode, I think. One of the, it, I wanted to, I guess, take a moment to read this really quick about uh, from a website that I view when I do tarot readings about what the tower means. Okay. See the tower in a reading, you may feel afraid, shaken, and insecure. It's a time of great turmoil and destruction as you seek to understand how you could have been so wrong, so naive, or so blind to a particular situation. And now, what will you do and how will you manage in the face of this shocking truth? You may be experiencing sleepless nights, depression, grief, anger, and confrontation. These are normal reactions to major changes in your outer and inner worlds. A tower experience is an experience that shakes the foundation of your current sense of security and or forces you to question your strongly held beliefs, perceptions, attitudes, and behaviors. So Utna being the tower, if if the creator of Utna knows anything about tarot, that is a really freaking good choice considering her influence on these people. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. I want to pose a question to Alice. So, not to answer, but to think about over the next, what, three episodes left, I think? Mm-hmm. Three episodes so, and a movie and yeah. a musical. <laughs> I want to talk about the movie. You should bring us back for the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> we so, already have somebody over. talking about the movie, but we can also have you guys back for just another episode and we could talk about stuff <laughs> you, from the movie. You don't have, no, 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 no. I don't want to hug your podcast. All I want to say is the movie is great and I love it and there's <laughs> nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that movie. It is a work of art. Thank you. That's all. Oh, she's not wrong. So what I was going to say is... Um, Looking at the next three episodes, especially the last two, especially what happens in the in the very last episode, um, think about what this whole like um, plan of Akio's would have been with the duels and all his machinations. How it would have been different if Utna was not involved at all, like if she, if she had not been here in the first place. 
like how would the duels etc have shaken out and what the after effects of that would have been compared to what how the actual show ends i think it's a i think it's a really good look at and it makes in it that's all i want to say i don't i don't want to say i, I don't yeah want to I, I, I will keep that in mind actually yeah Utna is a catalyst that's all i'm gonna say and that mm-hmm. even even that might be saying too much so i apologize i'll keep that in mind that that, that is a curious question i'm kind of thinking on it now actually because remember originally like she wasn't supposed to be in the first place like no one like she just showed up with this ring but normally the who knows how the, the state and it seems to have been in a state of stasis before her she doesn't even go here Some, something, something like <laughs> yes. this a mean girl's reference no oh gosh we are in good company <laughs> so what do we want to talk about next uh, I was going to talk a little bit about Ampy, but I think I kind of touched on it already with the whole cycles of abuse. Didn't um, you say you had something that you wanted to talk about with the stuff that Toga says during the duel? Oh, gosh. Um, so she's like, how many times have we fought? And he's like, oh, this is the fourth time. And she's like, it feels like we've done this dozens of times. And I think that, that there's layers in that observation. Oh it's my like, god, my you know shit what I'm saying? Time loops is true. Yeah. Like it, it, it took like she is aware of what's like in a way I think that she's kind of outside of of the time spiral and it, like experiencing this multiple times over and over and over again. To her, they've done this dozens of times. To Toga, this is only their fifth time. But for her, they've been, one, they've been fighting like this. They've been contesting each other for so long that it, it feels like it's been forever, which I've been in that situation where I've, I've, I've been bashing heads with somebody that it's just like, God, it's been 20 years, but it's only been like a month. But still, you know? So for her, it's like she's, she's even losing herself into this. Like, how many times have we really done this? You know, have we gone through this freaking song and dance? It's it's really interesting that that she's kind of like aware and yet not aware of how how convoluted things are. Yeah, she's kind of she started off as an outsider in this whole situation and slowly she's just sort of been worn down to where she's almost becoming a part of it herself as well. Mm-hmm. Which is Akio's goal. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Doing. That's his entire thing is that uh, he wants her to be his princess, whether she should be or not. Well, and, and look at it from Akio's perspective. At the beginning, all this stuff and the world was about just beating her and just getting rid of her. But at some point, probably after the whole Black Rose arc, he realizes... I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of her. She's, she's here to stay. And that when they move into the um, the observatory together, and they moves back into there with him, that's kind of the turning point where uh, Akio stops trying to just dispose of her and starts do- moving things towards manipulating her instead. I can't get rid of her, so I might as well use her. Exactly. Yeah, get her to, to play her role, the role that he thinks she should play, what, what he thinks she should be in this story. Oh man, we get so much into that in like the last episode. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't have feelings about that now. We have to wait. You should, Alice, you're in you for should, a treat. You should watch those live. Oh yeah, no, we are <laughs> really definitely should. watching the very last episode live. I'm not sure about uh, episode 38, but definitely episode 39. Uh, you should. I 
I don't remember how the second last episode ends. Yeah. Depending on that, you should decide on that. I don't remember if it happens at the beginning of the last episode or the end of the previous episode. Is the episode coming up next the one where the Shadow Girls have the play? Um... We already or have you had already the, seen that one. We yeah, we already that was episode thirty five, I believe, okay. is when yeah they had the play, and that's yeah. There's no okay. uh, the sh- I clicked on the next episode because the Shadow Girls were in the uh, thumbnail, but yeah, it was last. It was episode thirty five where we get the Shadow Girl recap of Anthe's origin story. So my theory, my, my, my amazing theory, brace yourselves for this, is that it's really Anthe who controls this world because she's the witch. She's the one who built this world for Akio to protect him, and he's the one who abused her and bent her to his will. She's the one who created this world. She's the one who has the magic. Akio is just, the, he, he, Akio is just bending her to his will and making her create the world that he wants. I don't want to talk about Akio bending anything. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry for my words. No. No, your your words were great. Jeff is the one who said the bad words. Why do you do this? One, that's my gimmick. He keeps Two. It, every time that we every time we have to say his name, a little part of me dies. I actually I really voice. like this theory that you have posited here because I feel like there's definitely a lot of support for this theory in the show and also it just really makes sense like I mean because the show obviously doesn't say what all of like how all of this is happening because it feels no need to but the idea that Anthe is the one sort of keeping everything going I feel like it's very heavily supported by what we are given in the show. It's also incredibly supported by the movie, but I don't want to support that. I don't want to spoil the movie. But basically, it, there there's situations in place where where a lot of the 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 stuff in this show that keeps Anthe shackled aren't present in the movie, and yet she's still shackled because of the abuse. That's all I'll say. Yeah, the thing about the movie is that it takes everything that happens in the show and condenses it down into one giant thing. I was trying to come up with a better word, but like it's yeah, just that's sort of like an understatement. It's just sort <laughs> of a sight to behold, honestly. But yeah, so uh yeah, I will have to think about that when we watch the movie because it's been a while since I've seen the movie and I don't really remember a lot about it except like various f- visual things that just come to my brain. But yeah, hmm. I think what did we watch it like a couple months ago, Jenner, when you finished your thread and just like. Yeah, I'm actually going to link them to the thread quietly so that you guys can go to the thread and take a look at my my live blog. I would of, love to. Of watching of watching Revolutionary Girl Utna. So there you go. I will definitely read that. You can yeah, see a, a lot of my takes. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that like, I don't think the human mind is capable of remembering after a certain point. It just slides away and then you get to re-experience it again. Because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like it, it it's so it it's it's so much. It's that so, it is so much happening. It is absolutely so much. I like how much more I don't this is all I'm gonna say, I'm so sorry, I'm the worst of spoilers, but I like how much more agency Anthe just shows in the movie versus anime Anthe. That's one of the things that I really like about her. Well, I think how a part of that is just more like sort of she is. Since it's like an hour and a half versus thirty 
like 39 episodes. Yeah, that was what I was going to say is I feel like Anthe has like a slow development of agency over the show, but she kind of has more to begin with in the movie because it makes more narrative sense. And you know what's good about the movie? That's not a spoiler. It makes sense. What's not a spoiler? No Black Rose stuff at all. Oh, yeah. They just kind of cut that entire arc out. We didn't. We didn't need it. To be fair, <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good stuff. But ultimately, when it comes to like the full narrative of the story, it's really not that important and doesn't really have that much to do with the overarching plot of what's going on. Yeah, I mean it's good, but it's not necessary. Okay, so do we have any other talking points? Mm, um, I'm good. I'm so happy that this show got made. Um, Me too. I you'll see from my thread, but I first watched the show with my girlfriend back in back in 2003, mm-hmm. and it was a very very important show for me to see at a very crucial time in my life when I really didn't understand what homosexuality was or what was going on between me and this girl that I was in love with. And the jury's whole storyline just to this day still utterly destroys me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And so this 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 show was so crucial to me, and I'm so glad we have it. And I just want to say I'm so happy that now, in the year of our Lord 2017, despite all the terrible shit that's happening right now, I'm not even going to get into it. That we have so much more queer content for people, you know, for for LGBT plus people, because that that this show was so important to me, and now we have so much more stuff, and, and it's looking really good for the future. Yeah, there's even going to be so a glad. new a new musical next year. This. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that that this got to happen because the only thing like I learned what lesbianism was from reading a Mercedes Lackey book. So <laughs> I read that book too. Wait, did you say there was going to be another? Yeah. Wait, did you not know? No. No one ever tells me anything. We were tagged in a post about it on Twitter. I thought that, that was it... the one that no one has seen. No, Somebody... it's a new one. Oh. Some amazing person. Um. Got the HD version of the stage play, which I just linked as yeah, well. Yeah, the one that you did an episode on. <laughs> yeah, it's just HD. So, oh yeah, it's yeah. There. I just linked it for you. <laughs> for everyone who has who doesn't keep up as much on Twitter, someone ha- has uploaded a an HD version of the musical that we did an episode on for the 20th anniversary of Utena, and it is glorious and is very you, good. But there's you can also see people's faces. There's also going to be a new musical that's coming out next year, and that is very exciting. And we are definitely going to have to do an episode about it for sure. And hey, uh, Jeff, I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Sega still owns the rights for games for Revolutionary Girl. No. Really? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do something, but that's that's that. According to my digging, they still own the rights. Well, I mean, you pay for those rights, you, you retain them, unless you don't. I oh, would love I, I got something for, to talk I, about before we go. Jenner, what's your thoughts on Ruka? Oh, gosh. We're going to have that fight. That <laughs> Ruka was dead all along or something to that effect, right? I believe that Ruka never even existed. That Jury is just owning herself and falling for the observatory that Akio's projecting Ruka onto Jury and she is inflicting this harm upon herself. Because that's what Jury's all about, is just owning herself constantly. I think Ruka is a, fic- a fiction of Jury's imagination, and she's just going 
through fighting herself. I thought I had the weird theories. But uh, there other people interact with Ruka. Well, yeah, but, like, there's a whole arc that may or may not have happened. So, like, <laughs> nothing is canon. Everything is true. Everything is fake, and the points don't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's literally Calvin Ball. Yeah, this show is basically Calvin Ball. Well, the thing that I basically base this crackpot theory on is the fact that, and maybe it's just, again, the laziness, and the, I don't want to say laziness because this is a work of art, but, you know, the, 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 the animation constraints of this anime. Juries duels with Utna and Juries duels with Ruka use the exact same animation. So it's like she's just reliving that experience of losing again. I did, I did kind of notice that, actually. You know, it is probably trying to save on animation, but I do love that as, like, an idea that she is just reliving her duels with Utena when she duels Ruka, because I feel like that's very good. And while we are, we as the viewer are seeing Ruka do these things and seeing Shiori interact with these things... There's nothing to say that that he's still not a projection of Akio's interacting with the world, just like um, just like uh, Mikagi was kind of both a ghost and both a projection. Yeah, I guess other characters did also interact with Mikage, so I don't know. I guess anything goes in this everything is fake, timeless place. Who even fucking knows, man? Who even knows? <laughs> to reiterate, what even is an Utsuna? Apparently a tower. I'm sorry about my mouse wheel. I was scrolling up to show the the thing that was linked in my in my thread that please don't don't go to that thread in that place. Where you can see Jury side by side in both duels and see how it she's literally having the same fight. Oh neat. Yeah. God, I just like. Other... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I just love the duels. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if like a bunch of them reuse the same footage, um, I still love them. It's good footage. What were you gonna say, Jenner? Regardless of whether Ruka is a ghost and was dead all along, or is a fiction, uh, is a fiction projected by Akio, his his purpose is clear, and that is that is to um, make Jury more vulnerable and um, and get her to do to play along because Jury is done, like she's fed up. She's not playing this game anymore. But Akio needs Jury to fight Utna so that she can continue up the stairway to fighting him. So he has to manipulate her into doing the fight, and he does that by using either using this memory or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Do you have any other miscellaneous feelings that don't have to do with this episode? I just wanted Jen to yell about stuff. That's why I asked that. <laughs> well, I'm asking both of you. <laughs> do either of you have miscellaneous Utena feelings that do not spoil the ending that uh, were not addressed in this particular episode of the show? Uh, I just want to say I like this show a lot. I watch it probably at least once every year or two. I never skip the opening because it's extremely good. Um, and this, like, I started, I first watched this, I don't know, like six years ago, shortly after so hanging out with Jenner, and it's entirely her fault. Everything is her it fault. It is my fault. Everything is my fault. You're my best friend, and happy birthday. Oh, thank you, Jenner. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I have a question. Uh, yeah. I have, I have a final question. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you could ship anything at Utsuna and no one would shame you, what would it be? Car Shiori and, um, and Otori Car. OTP. I'm happy. Acceptable. I just want Jerry to love herself. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Thank you. That's really, that's a good oh answer. That's really what she needs. That's powerful. I yeah, that's actually the best answer I could I could have imagined anyone answer that question. I, I accept that. Man, that blows oh, my Wakaba anonymy answer out of the water. <laughs> they just both need love, so they should love each other. They should love themselves because jury's just trying to fill that hole. Oh, yeah. You know, with with Guys, the, the most the toxic people. Obviously, jury anonymy. It's the perfect juxtaposition of <laughs> my two. Like of my favorite and my least favorite anime tropes of the Himedure Dere and the Sundere and like it's the perfect juxtaposition of everything that I hate and everything I love in one place. It would be terrible. And that is why it's good. I love how I came in with an incredibly not serious answer and Jeff is just like dunked on me. How dare you? How dare you, sir? That's what I live for. We all have jury Gosh. feelings. I love jury so much. All right, well, um, if if that's all we've got. That's it. <laughs> that's all I got for you. I'm tapping out. <laughs> all right. Um, Thank you so much for having us. It was an honor. Oh, oh yes. yeah, absolutely. Um, if people listening want to follow us on Twitter, they can do that at UtenaiCast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Mpandanata. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Alice? They can follow me at Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Jeff, where can the people follow you on Twitter should you wish to be found? Uh, I'm at Heyboots, H-E-Y-B-O-O-T-S, but don't follow me. I do nothing of value on the internet. Jenner, it's do you fine. want people to find you on the internet? And if so, where? You can find me at So I Endure, but don't. It's it's bad. It's a bad, terrible place. Don't follow me. Don't at me. Well, that's just the website. We're both trash fires. Okay. Um, the best kind. Fire. If you would like to email us, you can do that at imagineandutana at gmail.com, which is how you can get in touch with us about coming on an episode. Even though we have so very few, we are going to be doing post-show episodes about various topics and themes, which Jeff and Jenner, if you guys have something that you would like to come on and talk about that has to do with the show, that it isn't a particular episode, we'd love to have you back. Well, good news for you. We would love, I would love to be back. I can't speak for Jeff, but I would love to be here. Um, I've got a lot to say about abuse. I almost have a degree in psychology, so I would love to talk about the oh, nice. in the show. That, that actually sounds like it'd be a really good topic for an episode all on its own. We, I mean, we've talked it to death. Like, almost every single episode, we've kind of touched on it. It's, it's impossible not to. <laughs> That's kind of what the whole show is about. It's almost like it's the theme. What's well, a theme? What is a theme? What even is an Utana? What is, is it a Utana Mayday? or is it Utana? God damn it. Doesn't, I don't think it matters. <laughs> Alright, oh, um, also okay. we have a Patreon. People should donate to our Patreon. I need to get back Please to putting my... the episodes on it and putting up outtakes because those are fun. I'll write you stories. Yes, if you donate wrote, to the Patreon. I wrote 100 words. Donate to the Patreon and I'll, I'll let them post those 100 words for you. They're really good. Oh, yeah. If if anyone donates to our Patreon in the next week, I will take the 100 words that Jenner wrote earlier in our group chat and I will post them for you to read if you so choose. <laughs> for a single dollar, that can be yours. <laughs> well, They're very good words. They were good words. I liked those words. I guess that does us for this week, guys. Revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye.